You are listening to WPKN 89.5 FM, streaming online at WPKN.org. I am Cheryl A. Palmer, your host of this month's segment of Mic Check. Welcome to Mic Check, coming to you every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Our diverse roster of hosts presents a wide range of topics for discussion focusing on global, national, and regional issues and their effect on our local community. Our topic, arts and culture in Bridgeport, Connecticut. My guest is Mr. Razul Branch. Not only is he the Pied Piper, the Renaissance man, but he is also the man with the golden touch. I wanna welcome you Razul and thank you for being on this month's segment of My Check. Well, thank you for having me. As we've discussed many times, how you have such an influence on the things in the, in the art scene in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, just share a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do um, as those many titles that I've introduced you as. All right, so um, you know, I work heavily now in the arts and culture field uh, in Bridgeport. I do a lot of uh, I got an organizing of uh, artists and talents uh, and abilities to create, uh, you know, larger masterpieces socially um, and culturally uh, within, you know, the, the limits of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and wherever else they may touch. So I uh, own and run uh, and operate uh, a small storefront called BBT Creates, which is located downtown Bridgeport, and it serves as an event space, art gallery, um, kind of creative haven for creators of uh, many different mediums and backgrounds, uh, downtown Bridgeport. We've been there for about seven years. Uh, I have a couple other partners I work with. There's Eve Wilson, uh, Sean Jones, uh, Jason Streeter, um, you know, and Aisha Nyla. Uh, we work on a, a variety of different projects in and out of the space uh, in our own respective arts. Uh, and they come together for other larger uh, ventures as well too. Now you are presently working on a project or a campaign. It's uh, it's called the masking campaign, and what your what your theme is? You're empowering people on how to effectively or the importance of wearing a mask. Can you share a little bit about that, please? Yeah. So one of the other organizations that we work with that's uh, involved a bit uh, socially, culturally, politically uh, around the city, as far as like educating um, and you know encouraging Bridgeport. Uh, residents, um, you know, to engage more um, civically uh, within their city as well, too. So we're essentially um, releasing like a PSA campaign that's centered around uh, masking, which is, you know, for now until the, you know, the vaccine uh, for COVID-19 is rolled out a little bit more thoroughly, um, our only tool to help mitigate uh, disease spread. So what we're doing is featuring local influencers from around uh, the Bridgeport area, and we're featuring featuring them in photograph campaigns, uh, you know, creatively, um, wearing their different masks. So it could be, you know, a, a gator neck uh, cover. It could be a surgical mask. It could be a traditional cloth mask. It could be the N95. So it's whichever way that you choose to uh you know, to help protect yourself and help protect your neighbors uh, and other fellow residents around Bridgeport. So I believe in using local star power versus trying to bring in celebrities uh, and whatnot, uh, because those are the people that you trust. Those are the people that are inside your sphere of influence and, and, and um, 
in, you know, in, again, in, in trust. Um, you know, so you may not necessarily listen to Roz, you know, personally about masking or the importance of public masking um, and whatnot. But you might listen to Fuzz. You might listen to Bridget. You might listen to Alicia, um, you know, or, or whoever these other folks may be that are in your uh, sphere of influence uh, when it comes to that. So it doesn't necessarily have to seem like such a heavy lift if people you trust are, you know, encouraging similar behavior to help try and keep each other uh, a little safer uh, while we get through this health crisis. A powerful piece because it's really all about relatability too. How can you enforce something if you're not doing what you're trying to enforce? So I, I applaud you on the effort because, you know, I've seen different forms of, of mass or people's perception of, of their mass and what they feel is safe. But what you're doing is you're bringing people together on a local level and you're making everyone adhere to the same policy. So I def definitely applaud you with that. Absolutely. So the terms in Bridgeport with uh, arts and culture, do you feel that Bridgeport is diverse and inclusive? And if you don't feel that, Roz, what do you think it's gonna require? Um, I, I definitely think that we've come a long way in the last like 10, 15 years as far as like diversity um, and inclusivity as far as like artists are concerned or the art scene uh, itself. Uh, I think you see a lot more collaborative efforts from uh, different mediums and backgrounds of artists now uh, happening around Bridgeport because you know, we're creating avenues, we're creating uh, environments to encourage that kind of behavior from artists. And I think just naturally, culturally, societally, that we are starting to steer in that direction uh, of more collaboration as, as, as artists. You know, it, it used to be much more uh, self-centered, I think, is just focusing on the individual artists and just the individual talents. But when you take to uh, potentially um, colliding, you know, worlds and whatnot, that may not necessarily uh, have to do with with the other. Uh, I think some really, really great uh, work can come of that, um, you know, when you have those kind of uh, objections uh, as artists or, you know, even similar qualities as artists uh, to collaborate on something that challenges you to move outside your, you know, your, your typical comfort zone as an artist. Think of the art scene in Bridgeport. I think it's of the Renaissance in Harlem. Now, in my being back nine years, I've seen a great influence and a great uh, movement of artists in and out, uh, in and around Bridgeport. And Bridgeport is a very talented city. So are you indicating that the Renaissance has happened or is it happening or still is there more to come when it comes to the Renaissance of the art and culture scene in Bridgeport? Uh, absolutely. I think there's, uh, I think we've only begun, uh, to see what the Bridgeport art scene, um, is capable of. Um, I think this is something that takes place over an extended period of time. Um, you know, you look at the actual Harlem Renaissance and that took place over a period of about 15 years, uh, of what it produced and accomplished. And, uh, you know, those were very, very trying times. You're talking about the end of World War I, uh, you know, going into the next World War uh, shortly after that. You're talking about a tremendous amount of poverty um, in, in different areas as well, too. So, like, you know, we're going through some very similar uh, traumatic socially um, or societally um, traumatizing times. And out of those times, I think uh, a tremendous amount of work 
produced by, unfortunately, by, by pain uh, and trauma in, in, in artists and whatnot is that you're going to see some, you know, really, really interesting works uh, being produced. So I think Bridgeport's still at the very, very beginning, um, even though we've come a very long way uh, as far as that scene is concerned. Uh, but I think you're going to see some more tremendous works, plus especially with the, the geographical uh, shift uh, of New Yorkers coming into this area and people coming into this area from the tri-state area uh, are, are going to start their influences uh, onto the Bridgeport scene as well, too. So you're going to see, you know, another wave of uh, artists, um, you know, start to develop here, too. So are, are you indicating that Bridgeport is essentially a hub for artists, for people to come together and, and to create um, magnificent pieces? Because um, I can remember, and in, in, again, knowing you for the nine years, some of the things that, you, that you've done, you've been a hub for hosting and bringing creative spirits together. You've done a lot of uh, graffiti projects, um, that kind of went unwelcomed to a degree, but you've made tremendous efforts in bringing the community, the, the creative community together. Do you feel like uh, that your efforts are supportive or supported by others? Or if this is something that re really Bridgeport is trying to do, not only be part of a renaissance, but trying to be a welcoming hub to others to come and take part? Absolutely. I, th I think, um... You know, I, I, I can't say I think, I know that our efforts have been felt uh, and a lot of this collaborative spirit has been in direct, uh, direct result of the work that we've done in encouraging artists to work with other artists, uh, especially with artists that they may not necessarily agree with, align with, or even socialize. Yeah, so yeah, creating a hub for other artists as well is, uh, is, is ideally like our, probably like our business model, uh, so to speak, especially with our space BBT Creates, is creating a vehicle, uh, a housing for artists to, ex or just creatives themselves, to explore their craft and find out whether it works or not. You know, so if you don't allow um, room for a plant to grow, to receive sunlight, or to get water, you know, you you know, you're never going to necessarily find out what you can yield from that thing if you keep it. You know, if you don't give it any kind of room to to get any of those those nutrients in order for it to to manifest and grow. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think our our, our uh, have been very instrumental in um, you know in growing it, seeing, encouraging more of that behavior, introducing other artists to other you know to other artists um, you know that are getting together to continue on this you know this legacy of collaboration that we're building. Uh, what I feel like is happening now is that we've had to all reevaluate how. Uh, those of us that have physical spaces, how those things function, um, those that have, you know, smaller um, studios that still need to be exposed or still need to be seen uh, by folks are having to adapt to the utilization of social media or other technology that puts us more um, upfront on the Internet. You know, so you're seeing a lot more um, adaptation and I think at a much faster speed to like Zoom uh, or to building out their own content development um, is still trying to be on the minds or still trying to be accessible, even more so accessible now because, you know, you have a, a unlimited audience um, 
available on the internet, and especially with so many people either working from home, schooling from home, or communicating from home, uh, that are more readily available on the internet now because it's our it's one of our you know most utilized means of contact or access uh, to people, uh, whatnot. So, you know, as far as Bridgeport artists or Bridgeport things are concerned, I know us, you know, specifically here at BBT Create, just starting to shift over. Uh, more to content development and, you know, live features and, and things that are happening online um, that we used to do in person um, as a means to stay connected and to further expose people into things that we're doing and just to get more creative, uh, how to create uh, similar experiences uh, from the luxury of, you know, your couch versus being in the studio, you know, with the artists. So it seems to me that this, this uh, essential new norm, as it's been termed, can actually be a benefit to the art scene and the creative energy that's here in the city. Because as you mentioned, it reaches a large, a larger and broad, more broad audience than people for, for people to actually come in in person and see things and to su support events. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's encouraging change. I mean, it's something that's, so, that's always evident that's something that's never going to stop happening for as long as we exist on this, you know, uh, reality <laughs> uh, on Earth is that things are going to be forever changing. So it's encouraging us to, to adapt to, um, you know, rapidly shifting circumstances, um, you know, that may be affecting us in one way or, or another. So, um so yeah, something you know that is as tragic as the situation that we're involved in. It's it's also um, I think an, uh, kind of like it's 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 I don't want to say benefit, um, but it is benefiting us uh, as as creatives again uh, as being in constant adaptation. But I think this time it's happening at a much more rapid pace, and now it's forcing society itself to shift along with us at the same time versus kind of being you know, six months, a year, two years, five years too early on something um, versus now we're going to like this massive shift together. And that actually is a good point. And you said that you don't want to mention um, the good thing, but I think the the outcome of the pandemic is all by perception of an individual. Um, my takeaway is some individual should either gain a new skill set or a new mindset and being part of the pandemic. So I don't view it as necessarily a bad thing because it's helping people to step out of their comfort zones, step out of their box. And especially for creatives, they really can take their gift and their passion and their purpose and really expand it with something as simple as social media. So it's, it's really, this pandemic is really how someone views it um, in the long run. Yeah, and there's yeah, there's multiple sides to look at. You know, um, you know any any kind of uh, monumental event throughout history. There's always pluses and negatives that that are impacting. I know some people that are having some of their their best business has come as a result now of this pandemic. And then other folks on the other flip side of that is this, this is the worst they've thing they've ever you know experienced. Um, and some as far as even had to close down their their business as well too um you know and just also to keep in mind um folks that have lost someone or multiple someones um you know through the course of this pandemic as well so definitely want to um you know know that you know those folks are weighing you know weighing heavy on us as well too and not to minimize you know their experiences uh or any you know tra tragedies or traumas that they've suffered 
um, through this as well, too. But, you know, like you said, uh, it's also created opportunity um, or circumstances for artists or us in general, uh, society to really reflect back on what's vitally important, what do we really need? You know, how do we connect with other human beings? Uh, are we connected to each other um, as much as we are? Uh, I think we're finding out that we are like very social creatures and uh, gathering is a vital experience, um, you know, for or need, I should say, for, for all of us. So I think once these things we get settled back into um, a more consistent rhythm going forward post COVID, I think we'll have a much higher appreciation for in-person gathering, um, you know, or in-person experiences uh, going forward. So I think essentially we're being forced into the internet right now. Uh, but I think once things settle down, I think we'll, we'll, we'll strike some sort of balance to that. We'll, we'll be a little less online uh, going forward. Even now, we're in the height of the Bridgeport Arts Trail Fest, which happens every year, and I didn't notice anything was interrupted. They're still doing the same things, but they're doing it virtually. So virtually has uh, become not a not-so-bad thing. It's, it's reached more, more surfaces. It's reached more so sources. So it's been uh, advantageous to a degree. It has. It has. I think sometimes you have to um go without a thing to have a greater appreciation for it so i think we 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 take a lot of things for granted um you know when it when they're there and you have the other option of oh i'll just catch it next time oh, i'll just catch it next time and now there is no next time um you know now everything's you know been changed you know changed to virtual um so it's not the same thing as having like this tangible tactile experience with a thing now um you know so i think w you know, one, again, once we, we get back to this, this more consistent rhythm, uh, I think we'll, we'll have a much, I know we'll have a much more heightened appreciation um, for these things after, you know, being exposed to them, one, and now the desire to want to be there, you know, in the place that it happens, I think has been heightened. It has created opportunities that we may not have seen uh, had COVID not ever happened. No, it has. It really has, like, um, you know, reshifted, rebalanced, um, reset the way that we function as as human beings uh, and whatnot, and the appreciation for, um, you know, our our casual surroundings. You know, uh, just watching people get back to nature. You know, get back into bike riding, get back into getting outdoors, and um, you know, projects they've been working on around their house or focusing on their artwork or a particular talent or getting caught up on work or, uh, you know, really reevaluating how their business is structured. So it's just, it's been a great awakening. I mean, we, we can't ignore also the, 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 you know, one of the, actually the largest, you know, international protests in the history of mankind happening this summer as a result. And I don't think we, it would have had the, the effect and impact that it did uh, and the reaction that it fostered had not these circumstances not been in place. And you actually brought up another uh, uh, project that you're doing. You do a, is it monthly or every uh, three months, uh, a bike ride that um, you gather people together and you ride down to 
the park? Yeah, so that's our um, our BPT Moon Cruise that came about last summer. Uh, accidentally, I was just you know trying to get back into a little fitness and whatnot, and I hadn't made it to the gym for the day, and uh, so I decided just hey, you know what, take a bike ride down to the lighthouse, come back. You know, that's your that's your workout for the day. So on my way back out the park, it was pretty dark. Uh, it was close to about 9 p.m. It was June. And uh, I'm riding out of the park. And this is before they put those really bright fluorescent bulbs in, in the park. And then I'm noticing like this, this orange-yellow fireball sitting out in the middle of Long Island Sound, um, you know, just uh, east of the, the, the power plant. And I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> so I look, I'm just sitting there watching. I'm like, wow, I've never seen the moon. Uh, behave in this way and then i'm watching it you know the entire time taking some pictures and some video and then i'm watching the moon move across the sky or rise up very fast and i i don't think i had ever watched a moon rise uh like that before and yeah it was definitely like an impactful experience for me and i'm like i can't i can't experience this just by myself i'm gonna tell people about it but um it's not gonna be like you know them being there, like being, you know, actually having experience. So I was like, you know what? When you get back to the shop, you're going to make a flyer, you're going to make an event, and we're doing this next month, and you're taking people with you on a bike ride to go watch this bike, you know, watch the moonrise. And then the PPT Moon Cruise uh, was born, and it's been a smash hit uh, since we started last year. Uh, we usually do it from June to October, uh, experiencing several different full moon phases and whatnot, learning a bit of astronomy. Uh, along the way. And again, this was another successful year. In, in spite of COVID, I think we've had one of our biggest groups this summer uh, with it too. I think we had about 50, maybe 60 riders uh, for one of our months as well. So it's, uh, it's definitely been a hit. People are getting more interested in one biking, uh, physical fitness, and then just learning things about you know astronomy that they never learned once before either. Another platform that you've created as a result of COVID and the necessity, the need. And like I said, you bring people together and you bring people together, but you, you also, you teach them your, their power. You help them to identify their power. And all of these things that you've done are def, definitely an exceptional example. So, um, Roz, I thank you, want to thank you for being part of this month's segment of my check. I know you have a, a mad crazy schedule, but I appreciate you taking out time. Do you have a um, any contact information that you'd like to share? Yeah, sure. Um, if you want to keep in touch with uh, some of the stuff that we're doing here at the shop, you can check out our Facebook page and our Instagram page under BPT Creates uh, or our parent company, MagnaCon7. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Roswell Branch or at Rosie Von Party on Facebook or Instagram as well, too. And uh, yeah, you can keep up with uh, whatever fun and zany things that we're doing this week or next week. I want to thank you again for into this month's segment of Mic Check. You have been listening to Razu, who I've termed as the Pied Piper, the Renaissance man, and the man with the golden touch about the arts and culture scene in Bridgeport, Connecticut. So thank you again for tuning in to this month's segment of Mic Check. I am Cheryl A. Palmer, the host of the show. You can also check me out every second Saturday from 4 until 7 p.m. My show, Speaking to Your Spirit. My check is followed on WPCAN at 6 p.m. by the Ralph Nader Radio Hour. I want to thank you again for tuning in. Happy holidays. I want you all to be safe. Thank you. Just lock it in. You know the formula, right? One.
two, one, two.